What's up, everybody? It's the Benchwarmers and Water Boys podcast, and we are back, baby. It's Carson, John, Charlie, Thatcher, and Daniel. What All up? five of us are here with you today. How's everybody doing? Good. good. Hanging in there. Tired. So good. So Bad. much enthusiasm. We need a hype check. Hype check? Dude, I got off at work at like 3.30 today, and I took a nap until 7.00. Dude, I didn't Ooh. have work today. Same. Hashtag veterans. Say let's go. Congrats. Yeah. Shout out to let's the veterans, go. by the way. Thank you for your mm, service. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, as as per usual, we are recording our second episode of the week, our Friday morning episode first. So forgive us if we uh, mess something up, but um, we're going a little bit out of order so that way we can get Charlie in here on our Friday morning episode. So today we are going to talk. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, how to prepare for your fantasy team's playoffs coming up. Now, if you're playing in a league that's similar to ours, we do a three-week playoff matchup between. Uh, it's gonna be or is it four weeks? No, it's three weeks. Fourteen weeks, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen of the NFL regular season. Because mm-hmm. if you play in NFL Week Seventeen, you're a loser um, because people are benching people, and it's just it's not fair. And the people that got you to the playoffs sometimes get benched, and it sucks. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, we play our championship in week 16, and then we do not do two-week matchups, so we just have single-week matchups, which means weeks 14, 15, and 16. Uh, if you are doing two-week matchups, your playoffs will most likely start in week 13 unless your league sucks and you're playing into week 17. So keep that in mind when we talk about that. But we're going to be talking about how to prepare your fantasy team for that. Then we're going to be doing our usual starts and sits, um, highlighted matchups, and then some potential upsets. And that's going to wrap us up for the evening or for you, your morning. So – all right, let's get into it. So um, we're going to be talking playoff preps, and, and, and this is going to be the three things that we're going to really try and hit hard and drive home. The Basically, your your fantasy trade deadline is probably this week. I feel like that's the norm for most, uh, for most fantasy trade deadlines. Yeah. Uh, it, it's probably going to be this week, uh, and we're going to talk about, you know, uh, maybe who to, who, to, who to look for. So basically handcuffs and then strength of schedule. So uh, who's going to have some good matchups, and then – who are some guys that might be on the waivers that you need to go pick up or going to be, or might be cheap to trade for from a different team for your uh, mega players like Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, who you need a backup for in case they were to go down during playoffs. So uh, let's get started. Um, does anybody have some general, some general tips uh, or advice for how to approach a tread, a trade deadline? Um, Daniel, let's start with you because in, in our dynasty Ooh. league, you are, you're a competitive team. Okay, and then and then we'll go to and then we'll get a perspective from uh, John and Charlie, who are not necessarily Ouch. looking to compete this year, and that's not a bad thing because they are they are positioned to be very successful in a few years down the road. Yeah. Um, but Always teams like myself and Daniel and and uh, are positioned to be successful right now, and then that's just kind of right there in the middle, but still doing very well. So Daniel, what are, what is your kind of tips and tricks for approaching your trade deadline? <sighs> Yeah, this is tough. If we were just in a redraft league, right now I've got several players that I might look at making moves on. I mean, I've got Mike Evans, DJ Moore, and Amari Cooper, all who should be strong wide receiver ones this year and have not been. So um, you might look and see if you can get a player who might technically be a tier below based on pure talent, but is performing a little bit better um, if you're in a redraft league. For my purposes, I'm kind of riding this thing out, I think. I've got Eckler and, and Sutton, who's been on IR for so long. So it's lots of talent that's just kind of been wasted on injured reserve. So I think for our dynasty purposes, I'm probably not going to make any too big moves. 
I might consider if I could get something similar in, in value and maybe some depth pieces. But again, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen based on the way the seasons I've had for my players. But okay, so let's, I like to make moves. So I would always be open to making some, at least kind of putting some feelers out there, seeing what people are thinking. Yeah, so let's let's break that down real quick. In regards to dynasty, okay, now I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, if we were to look at your team from the perspective of both dynasty and redraft, okay, uh, using your same dynasty roster. Um, so in, in regards to dynasty, the reason you're probably not going to make any moves is because you recognize that you have a lot of young uh, talent on your team. And because it's dynasty, we're, we're not, we're worried about now, but we're also worried about, you know, a few years from now because you keep your roster. And so you don't really want to make any moves because you're confident that these guys are going to bounce back in the future. And you probably won't get a super fair value if you were to make a trade to win now. Is that, is that kind of how you feel? Yeah. I mean, it's like with dynasty trades, if you make a move that's really drastic and maybe benefits you very much in the short term, well, if that has a very negative connotation in the long-term aspect, it mm-hmm. might not actually be worth looking at unless you're confident that will get you towards a win. So yeah. for me, yeah. I don't want to just blow up my team and try to win all this year and then next year just be awful. Yeah. So as John knows very well, uh, sometimes in Dynasty, it's not about winning this year or maybe even next year <laughs> or, or next. the year after. Or the year so. after. <laughs> but, or but, okay, really ever. Let's talk <laughs> about, let's talk about if, if this were a redraft league, okay? Redraft is completely different because everybody is always trying to win right now. There's no reason to delay for the future because there is no future. You're just going to draft a completely new team next year. Okay, so – Daniel, how would you approach this trade deadline with these players that are underperforming? Uh, because age doesn't really matter at this point. All that matters is production oh. right now. How do you think you would approach this trade deadline if this were a redraft league where next year doesn't matter? Yeah, there was a couple guys that I was kind of looking at. Let me pull things up here. Honestly, looking at some of these guys, uh, if you know, if you want some really stable running back depth, I mean – Todd Gurley and David Montgomery are not guys that are very exciting, but they tend to just deliver stable numbers and we're Mm -hmm. not really getting that in the RB position right now. So, I mean, it might be that you can get them for a a, a cheap enough price tag that it could be worth it depending on how deep you are at receiver. Um, There's a couple guys like, honestly, I might look to in a redraft move Clyde uh, for Kansas city. Now that, you know, Le'Veon Bell's there. People might still be hyped on him, but I think yeah. his, his role is kind of capped based on their offensive scheme. But also just having Lev Bell there, I think he'll get some red zone looks and yeah, pull agree. points away. So in a redraft league, you probably could try to move him. So there's a couple different exciting things I think could happen in a redraft for Dynasty. It's yeah. definitely so- tougher. I would definitely say that just in general, what you kind of want to do when you look at your team is you want to take these really big names that are underperforming. So you take your, uh, let's say DJ Moore, your Ezekiel Elliott, um, or maybe your Austin Eckler, who it's not that he's underperforming, it's that he's just not on the field. And then maybe you go and you look for um, somebody that you would consider a downgrade, but in reality, they're actually bringing more value to your team than, uh, than what, you're, what they're delivering. So for example, uh, Daniel, if you, if, but the, the thing is you have to try and find that line of what is acceptable. So Daniel, Austin yep. Eckler is projected to be out for probably at least another two to three weeks, maybe even as many as four or five more weeks. So we may not even yeah. see him until, you know, week 13 or 14. Uh, and so would you be willing to trade it? Uh, now, now you're in a situation where you're pretty comfortable that you you're going to make that you think you're going to make, make playoffs. I think we would agree on that. Um, I don't think missing playoffs 
it, I think I think you making playoffs is more probable than missing playoffs. So um, would if this were a redraft league, what is the lowest price you would be willing to take for Austin Eckler? So would you be willing to trade Austin Eckler straight up for David Montgomery? Oof. This year, probably not. Just looking at how some of these other top teams are doing uh, and the points that they're you know, putting up on a consistent basis, I don't think that getting David Montgomery for Eckler would put me at a point where I feel like I could win this year. So I don't think I'm making that move. Now, if you were trying to get into that last playoff spot, is this something you'd be willing to do since David Montgomery is at least on the field? <sighs> probably not. I think I'd rather – get into playoffs and, and take okay, that, that interests me. So for me, I think I would be willing to make that deal. Is it, yeah. where, do, where do the rest of y'all stand on that? Are y'all, if y'all were on the cusp of making play, let's say it's 50, 50 and you have a guy like Austin Eckler, who's just sitting on your bench, not giving you any production and he's not going to be giving you production for a couple weeks. Are you willing to make a trade for somebody like David Montgomery, who is clearly not as good, but is getting a ton of opportunity and is consistently going to get you you know, between 11 and 14 points on a weekly basis. In a keeper league or in a – This is just complete and utter redraft. Redraft? Oh, yeah, I redraft. Was, yes. Oh, I, would I would do it. With Austin Eckler's tag with it, you might be able to get a wild card other player with it too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially value. if you're trading to a winning team potentially. So, uh, maybe – so, like, Thatch right now is 7-2. and two. He's leading his – he's leading all of us, I believe, in Dynasty oh, yeah. right now. And he's he can enough. afford – to maybe eat a couple weeks. So um, what, so what he could do is maybe if, if he were the guy that had David Montgomery, he doesn't, but if he, if he did have one of these middling running backs who is healthy and consistent and myself or Daniel were really, really needing to make a push to get into the playoffs, Thatcher could eat, eat, eat a couple losses if he needed to, because he's probably going to make playoffs anyway. And he can afford to wait for a guy like Austin Eckler to come back uh, when he's healthy. So Thatcher, now let no. me ask you this question on the flip side. Would you be? Would you make that kind of deal? Would you trade uh, like a Ronald Jones, a uh, maybe even like a Chris Carson, a David Montgomery for an Austin Eckler who is not going to be playing for a couple weeks? All right. So I mean, I think I would. I mean, I'm in a good position already. I got to think about my future too as well, having that secure. Um. So wait, hold on. What are you saying? Redraft. Thatch. Redraft. Oh, it's redraft. And not our dynasty. Redraft. Oh, okay. Never mind. You're sitting at seven and two in a redraft league. No, then I would stay put. I mean, I, I don't think I would make any moves, honestly. But do you think that you would be willing to move some of your not as valuable players for a, a really valuable player, but is just not going to be on the field for a couple weeks? He'll show up for playoff time. So, okay. So I you're mean, running, would you trade your running back two or three, a guy that would be in, that would be in consideration for your flex for a guy that would probably be a starter once he's healthy in about three weeks? Yeah, but the thing is, Austin Eckler, right? I mean, he's been out for a long time, and he's already injury, injury prone. Am I going to, like, put all my money on him just to bank on – I don't know. It's just kind of risky. Moves. Okay, so that's fair. Some, sometimes managers don't really want to trade, uh, trade away, even if, they, even if, you know, on the outside looking in, they might be getting a bargain. Um, sometimes they just want to, you know, ride what's they, – they don't want to fix anything that's not broken. So yeah, I, I can definitely respect that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely personally I think that I would be willing to take advantage of that, but uh, some people are not as risk. Uh, uh, they, they would they would rather be risk averse, and I and I have a lot of respect for that because you know Thatcher's doing really well, and maybe he doesn't want to mess up his mojo. So, um, okay, John, let's let's get a flip perspective. You are not necessarily competing this year, so I'm not going to ask you about redraft. Okay, I can ask you redraft strategies. Um, 
but you don't have to laugh. Let's that. start all with right. Dynasty. Let's start with Dynasty. You're sitting at one and eight, and you are all but mathematically eliminated from playoffs. I I I, I didn't really crunch the numbers very very in depth, but it looks chance. like that you're really there's really a zero, maybe like a half a percent chance that you can make playoffs. So assuming that you don't make playoffs, how are you approaching the trade deadline differently than somebody who's in the hunt? Um, honestly, I'm just, well, the issue is I've got a lot of really good because my team, I, I dumped my team last year over the summer Mm -hmm. for a whole bunch of picks. And so all those picks, I only got one or two running backs out of it. And I don't have running backs, but I have a whole bunch of young wide receivers and a whole bunch of really good young wide receivers who I feel are going to thrive next year, year after. Um, So it's debating on how much I want to lose on that to maybe get a new running back or if I want to try and trade for a pick and try and get a new young running back. Um, So honestly, I may just stay put um, just because I know I'm not going to win this year or next year or ever but I'll, <laughs> I'll just hold on um just because i want to see how they all perform next year um mm-hmm. they just it's not happening this year yeah i will say i'll vouch for john we make a lot of fun about we make a lot of fun of john for him being really bad this year in dynasty but he's not lying when he says he has a lot of really really impressive young talent i mean let, let's just go over the li- uh, let's just go over the list of your rookie wide receivers that you have jerry judy cd lamb chase claypool uh Am I missing any other – Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Uh, LaVisca Chenault. Um, those are just some names to mention who are all of the top rookie wide receivers. So, I mean, you're, you really have a lot of talent going forward. It's just not really working for you to win a championship this year. But also, to be fair, you weren't expecting that. So, um, so you really are you – you're, you're a perfect example of what setting up for the future looks like and kind of just calling it in on this year. So um, props to you on that. And that's, that's kind of what a good fantasy manager looks like when you're playing the long game and you're not really playing to win this year. Um, unfortunately, you are going to suck this year and you are going to continue to suck kind, this year. But we know I'm not going to win next year. <laughs> but you're set up to be much, much better. I'm... Carson. <laughs> you are. Hey, I have a lot of Once confidence Once you get another RV, we'll be fine. I have a lot of confidence in you. Okay, but now that we've kind of discussed how, how two teams on, on different ends of the spectrum are approaching the trade deadline, Let's just kind of talk about some specific strategies. So uh, let's talk about strength of schedule first. Okay. Are y'all, is everybody familiar with the idea of targeting for strength of schedule? Yeah. Yes. So basically, just to explain this to our listeners, it basically means that you're targeting uh, individual players who look like um, for the rest of the year going into playoffs uh, have, a, have an easier schedule, have easier matchups for certain skill positions. Okay. So um, is it, do y'all have any players in particular before I just list off some of the teams that have good strength of schedule by position? Are, are there any players in particular that y'all are keeping an eye on? A good trade target actually um, might be Lamar. I know he's had kind of a rocky year, but their okay. schedule is stupid easy for the end of the year. Yeah, it is. Um, and he, I feel like he's going to bounce back. I think they're just kind of floating through the beginning of the year. They don't they don't have a bad record, but they're also not showing off like they did last year, which was kind of – they weren't going to hold that. Um, but people, if they're upset or tilted with Lamar, I would go for Lamar and kind of shoot while he's kind of low right now. So if you have someone who's holding Lamar, was hoping for a lot better, you may be able to, to play into that because their schedule is stupid easy for the end of the year. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the whole idea of trading for somebody is – usually you're doing your best to try and trade for a player that is underperforming that you expect to bounce back. And that's just kind of the general idea 
of what trading looks like in fantasy football. Um, let's let's go over uh, let's go over strength of schedule by position. So let's start with running back. Um, I'm going to do running back and wide receiver, and then tight end, and then quarterback. So running backs. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to and how to define strength of schedule is I'm pretty every single team that I'm going to list has uh, I'm going between weeks 11 through 16. So this would be the week after this current week. So uh, we're about to, we're talking about week 10 is the upcoming NFL week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a week 11 through 16. So that's going to be preferred championship week, right? And so every team that I list is going to have every single one of those games except for one uh, estimated to be in the top 24. And then I'm going to highlight a couple teams that, that don't have any poor matchups that would average outside of the top 24. Um, so uh, running backs, Seattle, um, San Francisco, uh, the Los Angeles Rams all have uh, relatively simple schedules except for one matchup through those few weeks uh, that, uh, are play that have an average of outside of the top 24 and average points four for their running back position. Um, so if, as long as you can afford to not play that running back that one week, then these are three really, really great teams to target for. So if you think you can trade low on Chris Carson, maybe go get an injured Raheem Mostert or see if maybe uh, the bye week has just passed. So maybe you can trade for Daryl Henderson. I'm not, I'm not totally sure if, 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 if he's available, but he did have an injury in week nine. So maybe his price is low. Now there are four other teams who have a great schedule. They have zero games against an opponent that has uh, held running backs to uh, to more or to less than uh, top 24 numbers. So basically what I'm about to say is every single uh, matchup that they're going to go against, their matchup is very good because everybody has averaged at least finishing as a top 24 running back. So the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Bears. So let's talk about, because a couple of these teams are a little shaky in their running back room, uh, especially the Broncos, Dolphins, and Lions. So the Broncos have Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. Okay. Even with this easy schedule, are you willing to trade for any of these guys? Yes. Who would your who would your target be? Would it be Melvin? Yep, because I have him, and I need people to come take him. I would target Philip <laughs> for PPR. So you would target Philip for PPR. Yeah. Now th this is easy, uh, an easier schedule, so it would be harder to to shoot your shot. But the good news is that because it's hard to shoot your shot, uh, they're probably going to have a cheaper price tag. So maybe go take a shot, see if you can go grab one of these guys. Um, on, on a bargain. So then the Dolphins, this is an interesting situation because Miles Gaskin is on the short-term IR. So he's going to be out uh, and he's not going to be back until week 12. So if you think you can trade super low, he has been very consistent. He's been like David Montgomery on steroids, a ton of opportunity, not super talented, but definitely producing better than, uh, than David Montgomery. So maybe if you can afford to wait a couple weeks, he would be a cheap trade target. That would be great. Uh, the Lions, uh, Daniel, you're our, our resident Lions fan. Have, yeah. has, has DeAndre Swift kind of taken the role? Would you say that he is the main guy? We're definitely getting to that point. It seems like more and more he's showing his, his talent above the, the you know other people that they have in the RB room. But it, it just seems like they're still kind of running a little bit of a committee approach. So his, his ceiling is capped a little bit by that. He's definitely going to deliver the most consistent numbers. In the last three weeks, I think he's actually been pretty – Pretty solid. Let me see if I can pull that one up real quick. I was so thinking was why they gave Adrian Peterson more touches than him. Yeah, you're telling yeah. me. I'm trying to play Swift over here. It's just not working. Yeah, I mean, week six, he had 27. That was like the breakout week where we thought we were really going to, like, finally see them turn things over. He followed that with a 14.8. 
dropped to 5.3 on Indiana, but they're a tough team, yeah. and then 12.7 against uh, Minnesota. So yeah. he's been definitely better the second part of the season. Um, I think moving forward, you can count on him for a little bit more consistent production, probably okay, going to so be in that 12 to 15 range. Would y'all consider him to be a trade target? Because after hearing that, I, I'm actually very encouraged. I would. Because Indianapolis is a very good run defense. Yeah. So that's expected. Yeah. Well, I think that gets me worried is the fact that they have three running backs. Let's say carry on's going off. I feel yeah. like they just kind of feed the hot hand. Adrian yeah. Peterson, for some reason, still gets the bulk of the carries. Yeah, but just like the Broncos – that, that could be to your advantage because if you're confident, then mm-hmm. if you're confident that you think he's going to be the main guy with this easy of a schedule, then maybe he doesn't need 20 touch. Maybe he doesn't need 20 opportunities. Maybe the other thing you have to think about 15. is the Lions and how they're not a good football team and how they play from behind most of the time. Is mm-hmm. he really going to get that many? T- he may have a lot of touches I mean, in the first half, but yeah. He's definitely the, the best game. receiving option, though, out of that backfield, mm-hmm. too. And he yeah, has sure. gotten several touches that way. Um, so, I mean, he stays more relevant in mm-hmm. the games where they have to switch the, the offensive scheme. Yeah. So I would definitely say if you want to take a shot on a, on trading for a potential RB two, I think yeah. that he's a really great option. And then of course there's the bears, uh, the bears, it's pretty much David Montgomery or bust. Now he is in concussion protocol. Uh, we're, we are going to be talking about that on our, on our, uh, Thursday episode. So hopefully you've heard that by then that he is in concussion protocol, but I would expect him to play because unless it's like a, a really, really bad concussion, it's, it, it takes less than a week um, to get back onto the field. So uh, trading for Derek, uh, David Montgomery. Um, I think he, he, he's not the best running back. He's not the most efficient running back. Um, and he's, and he's probably not going to be a starter past the next year or two, but he has a very easy schedule. And if you can trade for him, you probably should because uh, he is probably going to be the definition of a running back too going forward. Um, would y'all be willing to trade for David Montgomery? I'd pick him up. At this I want, point, I want my consistent points and running backs. Consistent running backs are hard to come across. So yeah, are there few. any names uh, for the running back position uh, that y'all would consider that are that are doable? I mean, everybody wants to trade for Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, so we're not going to talk about those guys. But are there any names that I'm missing? Kenyon Drake possibly coming off an injury. Um, you could try and swing a uh, Ronald for him. Ronald's a roller coaster. And, you know, one name right now that I keep kind of trying to figure out the value of is, is Jonathan Taylor. Like, he's a tough yeah. person to figure out right now because of the way their backfield is shaping out. His recent play has not been good. Mm-hmm. I think he's I mean, not reliable this year. Honestly, I think you have he's to wait. one that's like, man, do you – in a redraft league, do you move him? Because you probably drafted him really him. high. I'd move him in a redraft league. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, I'd move him in a the- redraft in a keeper league, though. I'd probably keep him. The, the Lions actually have one of the easier strength of schedules as well, but I left them out because I just feel like you can't really rely on any of them. You don't really know who the guy is. I feel like Frank Reich doesn't really trust Jonathan Taylor, which yeah. is weird because he was, you know, very highly touted coming out of college. Yeah. And so if you are a believer in Jonathan Taylor, then you need to go get him now. Um, this is your opportunity to really, to really go for it. I actually sent Bryce who's in our dynasty league a message. And I said, listen, man, uh, I know that you like Jonathan Taylor and I know that you spent a lot of capital on him, but if you look at the way that they're using him, he's had plenty of opportunities to be good, especially with, you know, the, the few weeks where Naeem Hines was out, Jonathan or Jordan Wilkins was on the practice squad. And yeah. then uh, Marlon Mack hasn't, hasn't seen the field since week one. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor still has been very bad. And usually, um, you know, running rookie running backs are not the, are not the rookies that struggle, uh, in their first year, it's usually wide receivers and tight ends. And so rookie running backs usually slot right in and are, and are very decent. And Jonathan Taylor has not been that. So I actually recommended he trade him in dynasty 
Now he wants to hold on to him. I, I don't think I could convince him. Um, I wasn't trying to trade for him. I actually don't want Jonathan Taylor. I don't think I'm willing to take that risk, especially since I'm a team that wants to that wants to win <laughs> yeah. now. So um, that's something. I to just keep give in mind. my two cents on. Um, you got John's take on being a bad team at the trade deadline. Yeah, um, yeah. This is how I'm viewing the trade deadline, and I think John probably views the same way. But me and him and the bad teams in the league, especially in the keeper league, have all the leverage right now, especially sure. trading away our good people because yeah. we don't have to. And I'll just say, if you are a contending team, you should make every trade possible to make that push towards the championship. I was in the championship last year, and now I'm probably not even going to make playoffs. And so I kind of wish I would have done a little bit more at the trade deadline. Yeah. But for me and John, we, we need to take advantage of getting as many picks as possible. I'm not really even looking for anyone in return because running backs are so hard in keeper leagues to get right now, especially ones that make a difference on your team. And so that's why I got rid of Chris Carson a couple weeks ago and just got as many picks for him as possible. So yeah, you are a bad team right now. And especially in the keeper league, just remember you have all the leverage and just get as many picks, high end picks as possible. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, because when it comes to playing for a championship, um, I don't, the way that you should be looking at your dynasty or any kind of fantasy football league in general is the future is not as important as a championship today. So we're all playing for championships. Yeah. And I think that having winning a championship this year is more important than being competitive for the next five, but not really knowing if you're actually going to get there because tomorrow is not guaranteed. All that's guaranteed is the success that you've been having so far. And so if you can afford to trade away uh, some picks to get somebody that you know is going to be a difference maker that can put you over the edge to get a championship, then you need to be willing to make that trade. And I know that it's really scary because that could really, really screw uh, with your future. Um, but winning, like I said, winning a championship this year is more important than uh, your than draft prospects for next year. Okay, um, so then let's let's move on from strength of or no no, no we're sorry we're going to go on to wide receivers for strength of schedule. We're going to move a little bit faster because I don't want this to take the entire show. But wide receiver team or teams with wide receivers that have a good strength of schedule, the Rams. Uh, I put an asterisk next to the Rams, Bengals, and the Bills because they don't have any games with anybody outside of the top 24. Uh, so then, but with one game outside of the top 24, the Colts, the Bears, the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Ravens. So um, uh, guys like Marquise Brown haven't been super involved. Maybe if you wanted to take a shot, um, he could be someone to look for. Guys like Travis Fulgham. Uh, maybe for the Eagles, maybe you can trade for him. The Raiders, I don't really know who you want to take a shot with, but maybe Henry Ruggs uh, and then the Bears. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to trade for Allen Robinson, but if you can, I would because this man is this man deserves the Nobel Peace Prize for having three really back to back thousand, thousand yard seasons with the quarterbacks yeah. that he's had. So bless yeah. his heart. Hopefully he gets a good quarterback because he's going to be a beast. Yes. But um yeah, I, I mean, I know that I was looking in redraft to trade Kenny Galladay for Allen Robinson to see if I could do that, because even though I think Kenny Galladay might be more talented, Allen Robinson, not only is he healthy, but he has a way easier schedule. So maybe look to yeah. see if you can take your talented guys who have a really tough schedule and then trading maybe one tier down for a guy that has an easier schedule. I don't know if everybody is willing to do that. I think in certain situations that's acceptable. Um, so are there any wide receivers – out of that list of people or, or anybody that I missed that you think you could really, really target and could get uh, for cheaper than they're worth. I think you could target Devonte Adams. Um, 
<laughs> look at their owners and then just evaluate. But I think he should be a trade target up there at the top. What about what about names like uh, let's say um, John Hold Brown, down. Cole Beasley? I don't Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley in your flex right now for the Bills. Like, if you are in need of somebody just to get you consistent production, he's a great flex plot. Like, John, have you started him recently? Not these past two weeks. I called these past two weeks. (laughs) Oh, wait. I lied. I think I played him two weeks ago and I got burned on that week. (laughs) But every other week before that, dude. All right. So here, Cole Beasley is actually really sneaky. Where is he? Um, Week one, he had 9, 12, 16, 12, 11, 14, 22, and then 4, and then 6. So, honestly, he'd be another consistent one like a David Montgomery, except for as a wide receiver. So, are, just, his most two recent weeks were 4 and 6? Yeah. Now, that's because John Brown came back. So, then the target yeah. probably should be John Brown. Yeah. But Okay. So you then, can hope um, that John Brown gets hurt again, and then you can go back to <laughs> Okay, so my, let's just—I'm going to say the list that. of those teams one more time. We're not going to talk about all the receivers on all these on all these teams, but if you want to know what strength of schedule, uh, what teams have good strength of schedule for targets to trade for, then look for receivers on the Rams, the Colts, the Bears, the Bengals, the Bills, the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Ravens. I will say the one team I will quickly highlight before we move on to tight end and quarterbacks is going to be the Colts. The Colts don't really have a number one receiver anymore. So you're really just taking your shot because T.Y. Hilton has kind of been irrelevant. So I would I would say maybe if you're going to take a shot, I think I would probably lean towards Michael Pittman Jr. He hasn't done anything, but that's because he's been hurt. But he is a rookie. Um, he was – this man has incredible metrics. He's humongous. He's fast. Uh, he's a down he's a downhill threat or downfield threat, and, a, and he's humongous, so he's great in the red zone. Uh, and uh, Phillip Rivers is very familiar with those types of players, a la Mike Williams. So uh, maybe give Michael Pittman a shot if you have an extra bench spot. Okay. I will say a sneaky pickup is uh, you mentioned the Rams. Josh Reynolds, I picked okay. him up in keeper in our keeper league, and he. I How's mean, he been doing? I'm curious. I haven't looked at since it. week six. He's been getting a lot more targets. I mean, week six against the 49ers have a good defense. He got 12 against Chicago, who has a good defense. He got 15. And against yeah. Miami, he only got eight, but he did have nine targets. That was I also say, a rough game for the Rams, though. Yeah. I will say one thing to keep in mind is that Tyler Higby has also been out, so they haven't been running 12-man personnel. So that yeah. could be the reason. So when Tyler Higby comes back, Jonathan Reynolds will probably be irrelevant. But Josh. if Tyler Higby is Josh. out, keep an eye on that. Or Josh Reynolds will probably Carson, be. I will give you Scotty Miller and Cole Beasley for. No. I don't know what, who it is, but it's probably not. It's probably going to be another person. One didn't want DeAndre fun. Hopkins for uh, Miles Sanders for Pittman. No, Carson values running backs really high. He has all of them. Well, Carson. Charlie, you also weren't willing to do straight up, and I, I was also after. only willing to make that move if Bryce was going to trade me Jonathan Taylor. But now I don't want Jonathan Taylor. DeAndre so. Hopkins. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know who DeAndre Hopkins is. I don't think you do. I think you're pulling a bill, dude. Well, John, well DeAndre Hopkins has, actually hasn't been that good in fantasy. Hey, speaking of the D-Hop trade, dude, now Johnson's in concussion protocol. That's really panning out for y'all. Yeah, yeah, because I've totally been uh, a, a fan of Bill O'Brien. You were really a fan of that trade. His, his, his freaking uh, general manager moves. So, Okay, let's talk tight ends. There actually aren't a lot of teams – um, with at least relevant tight ends to begin with, with an easy schedule, except for one. And it's Austin Hooper with the Browns. And this is a perfect shot because he has been injured. 
and he actually hasn't been very good un- uh, except for the last like week or two before he was injured. And that's yeah. because Odell Beckham went down. And so oh, Austin Hooper might even be on your waiver wire. And if he's not, he might be a cheap trade target. So Austin Hooper yeah. is the number one guy on my radar. If you're looking for a tight end target, Baker Mayfield seems to be a better quarterback when OBJ is not on the field, simply because he doesn't have to force the receipt or the force the ball to his number one receiver anymore. Um, yeah. And so Austin Hooper, I would say, is the number one prospect, and he doesn't have a single uh, matchup in the red outside of the top 24. So uh, Austin Hooper is 100 uh, percent the guy to be looking for. Uh, and I would say it wouldn't situation. hurt you to look at TJ Hawkinson. He's not going to have the cheaper price tag like Austin Hooper will, but TJ Hawkinson has been delivering on a very consistent level. Yeah, I can, so I can agree with that. If you're in need of that position, he's a good person to look to. People that have Kelsey likely are not going to move him. They probably need him and are probably in playoff contention because of him. But TJ Hawkinson is more of a fringe. He's really developed this year. I think he's worth, he's worth looking at depending on how people are valuing him. So if you can get him for a cheap enough you know, trade, I, I would, I'd go after him. Yeah, Hunter Henry has also been underperforming. If you want another one, okay. <laughs> so let me let me go look at his at the at the the Chargers and what their strength of schedule looks like, and if it's even worth it. Because if they're all in the red, then that would make me a, a little worried. But yeah, actually, uh, uh, what what's his name? I'm, I'm, I'm Hunter Henry. He actually does have a really good schedule. Week 13 against New England hasn't been very uh, nice to tight ends, but other than that, yeah, he's got a good schedule. And then another name that I would actually consider is the Broncos have a little bit harder of a schedule. But what I will say is not necessarily Noah Fant, but if you're looking for touchdown upside, Tyler Volk, um, one of our special guest hosts, a uh, friend, mega friend of the show, uh, made it very clear to me that Albert O, tight end, I don't, I don't even want to try and pronounce his last name, has been getting a lot of red zone targets. And so if you want touchdown upside, he might be a guy to look at. So, Aaron Waller also has a pretty – Oh, I mean, is that has... dude with the, like, 20-letter last name? Mm-hmm, Yeah. He's on IR right now. Yeah, Charlie, you mentioned Darren Waller, but I just don't know how easy it is to trade for Darren Waller. No one's going to trade Darren Waller. Darren Waller is the tight end, too. So it's going to be pretty tough to get a guy like Darren Waller. Carson, that, I that have Albert O is on IR open right now. to trades. What would you say, John? Albert O, whatever, Aka, but whatever is on IR. Oh, okay. My turn is well, question until he gets the pronunciation right. Oh my goodness! If we if we wait for him to get the pronunciation right, we'll be here until next week. Akawagabahanam. Nailed it. Nailed that. Akawagabahanam. All right. Well, then let's let's finish up with quarterbacks, and then we'll get into our starts and uh, our starts and sits. Uh, or no, we'll talk about handcuffs really briefly because that won't take as long. But uh, Baker Mayfield and Danny Dimes are really the only two quarterbacks that will be relatively easy to get, um, probably on waivers, and uh, they both have very very good schedules. So Baker. Uh, has been much better. He's been more efficient without Odell Beckham Jr. And it's nice because week 10, he's playing Houston. So he's probably going to be very, very good. Uh, in the I actually have nine. Houston winning that game. Uh, you know what? I, I actually have uh, – I think that that will be a close game, and that's a game that I'm actually going to talk about in our highlighted matchups. But I think I still expect the Browns to win, especially with Nick Chubb coming back. They're going to be a more dynamic team. Um, but uh, I, I, I like Baker as a, uh, as a streamable quarterback over the next few weeks. And then I, I got say, the Browns winning that game. You all have no shot. Yeah, I'm, I've got the Browns too. Would y'all agree with Baker having, uh, you know, being a potential uh, spot start for the next few weeks? Do y'all think he'd be willing to start? Last week he dropped a seven. He dropped a seven against the Raiders. The Raiders are a sneaky good defense, though. Or two weeks ago. I don't know how good the Raiders. Raiders gave up a butt ton of also, points to a rookie quarterback. 
He's got Tennessee and Baltimore coming up. And I'm, I'm, saying, go, I'm not saying go trade the farm for him to be your starter, but I'm just saying that if you need – I'm saying away start. from Baker. I mean, I know the offense they run because he was our offensive coordinator, and it's very run heavy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless Baker hits on his throws in the red zone – and he capitalizes, most yeah. of their touchdowns are good. That's a good point. Run. That's a good point. Now that Nick Chubb is back, they might be a little bit more run heavy. I think I would rather go out and, like, right now on our waivers, we have got Danny Dimes, Nick Mullins, Alex Smith, Taysom Hill, and Malcolm Perry. So I would rather go for Nick Mullins, Alex Smith, or Danny Dimes. I would go, I'd rather go for Danny Dimes. I don't think I would – the only person I would consider taking over Baker would be Alex Smith. Well, out of all of those if, games. if those are the players on the waiver wire, I think you already have a better quarterback and you don't need to go out. Uh, I think one. I think you go out and if you need a week, then you go I think, that one for a week and then you're done. I, I think buys are already over though, aren't they? This is the last week of buys. No, the, yeah, um, we should the, be getting close to the we're end. We're going here. into buys as late as week 11. Oh. So. But I'm just good. saying like if you – I don't really know if – I, I yeah. I, I think, think anyone you, you have already on your have roster one, is better I think, than I think Baker there's probably Andy one that you can expect. It, your yeah. ceiling's not as high. But I mean, I'd rather have Nick Foles over points. Baker right now. I'm not. Yeah, trusting I don't, I don't Baker. know if that's true actually, but I will say one You're one last name to maybe possibly consider for a, a super uh, deep dart throw would be Danny Dimes. He has a very easy schedule. Um, uh, he, uh, which is uh, Daniel Jones, quarterback for the uh, New York Giants. So uh, if you really, really – maybe in a two-quarterback league, he would be a great quarterback too. He offers a lot of upside. Um, and he's playing really easy schedule, so maybe a safe floor. Okay, uh, let's hey, move as, on. Um, as commissioner in our league, can you give me a super sub? Just let me play quarterback. You'd probably still lose, <laughs> so no. Um, okay, let's hurtful. let's briefly talk <laughs> okay. about the concept of handcuffs. Um, John or Daniel, do you want to explain the idea of, of of handcuffs? I mean, yeah, essentially, it's like it's a player that you're you're taking not because of the value that they bring right away, but as value that they could have if somebody were to go down. Uh, you know, the star running back Alvin Kamara, if he goes down, Latavius Murray is instantly like an RB one, so he's yeah. a tough to have in every league. Um, Jamal Williams actually kind of turned out to be pretty good for Aaron Jones people. If you had him uh, the weeks that Aaron Jones was down, he stepped in and put some really good numbers up. So there's a couple key players in that role that when their star RB is down are able to come in and, and still perform at a high level. Okay. Just so picking I'm picking up practice squad players on the Packers right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's got those, those green Bay running backs. Wait, on wasn't lock. it two weeks ago oh, yeah. that I texted you, Charlie, that he was literally missing one player and it was the player <laughs> that had just activated that day. Oh yeah. De- that was yeah. literally had like five Packers. Yeah. That's just so paranoid about I was. <laughs> someone is playing yeah, and I will is. have him. Yeah, because two of the, two of the guys got like COVID and then Aaron Jones was his like ankle was tweaking. So I'm like, oh my God, dude, I don't have like any other running backs. So yeah. Oh, you started Le'Veon Bell, so. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> terrible. Better safe than sorry, all right? I should have started Rex. All right, y'all, y'all tell me if there are any names that I'm missing off this, and then we'll move on to stars and sets of, hand, of handcuffs to look for on your waiver wire or see if you can trade really cheap for if you are the owner of the starter for this team. So Alexander Madison behind Dalvin Cook, sure. uh, Mike Davis and or Curtis Samuel behind Christian McCaffrey. I think I would actually prefer Mike Curtis Davis Samuel is, in that Mike Davis, for sure. Mike Davis is not going to touch the field again now that Christian McCaffrey's back. 
Well, Christian McCaffrey might again. miss next week he's or this, this upcoming he's gonna, week. He's going to come but back. This is, but this is, not, this is also he's not for the purpose for of sure. playing. We've discussed that. This is for if these players have an injury in playoffs, then you basically yeah. still have them yeah, for, for sure. your Mike roster. Davis. I would rather go Curtis Samuel or Mike Davis. Okay. Uh, Tony Pollard for behind Ezekiel sure, Elliott. You need Tony Pollard. Oh, yeah. I honestly think the Cowboys should start Tony Pollard over Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Much I think it's not time performing. to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. I, I don't think he's been explosive since 2018, and he's just costing the team a lot of money. And he looks like an Ewok. So he does look like an Ewok. He did. Actually, he, did y'all like see he got rid of the afro? <laughs> did you see? He played you see without the, the picture? afro. Someone posted a picture of him with a reporter where he had yes. the crop top, yeah. and it said that he looked like he was a, a cheerleader from the longest yard. It's so <laughs> true. Like, like, the convicts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Latavius Murray behind Alvin Kamara, Jamal yeah, Williams behind sure. Aaron Jones, and then I would say Giovanni Bernard behind Joe Mixon. Uh, yeah. Outside of now, those yeah. guys, I don't know if there's a lot of other really valuable handcuffs that you know right are going to be the main guy. It's so kind of you, funny. What about Chris Bernard Carson, the guy better. that the rookie that's actually performing pretty good? DJ here. Dallas? Would you say DJ? Like, See, I think like three touchdowns right now. DJ Dallas was only relevant because Carlos Hyde was also out. So oh, I think true. that Carlos, Carlos Hyde, Hyde might be the Carlos guy. Carlos Hyde is the handcuff. But even but even then, I would say because DJ Dallas was able to perform, I don't know if Carlos Hyde would be the handcuff. So it it, it would. Look I think like they're a too weird of a committee back. I think you shoot your shot with Chris Carson, and then past that, it's a dart throw. Exactly, which is why I, I wouldn't label any kind of handcuffs behind them. Which stinks because also you would think that there would be a handcuff for the Steelers because that's usually how it works. John, yeah. who would you say is the number two behind James Conner? Because it doesn't really feel um, like there's a bona fide two. Like right now, they're trying them both, and. I feel like the well, I feel like Benny is the better running back right now. Definitely. He's the downhill running back, but they're giving him the worst play calls. Um, they're trying to get Anthony. Their offensive coordinator sucks, by the way. Just oh, 100%. Up. I would run four wide receivers every play. That is what is working. When we watched the game, they were having Jalen Samuels, yeah, I've the no, wide receiver three, and they didn't even have Juju in the game. Everything I was reading has no idea why they're doing that. I don't know why Jalen Samuels is still on the team. I would say um, Benny is the handcuff right now, but Anthony McFarlane last game, if they give him the touches he did like last game, he may overtake Benny. But I don't know what's going on with him right now just because our whole run game right now is not good. No Devin Singletary if Zach Moss yeah. is going? They're, they're like a 1A, 1B. Is that, Carson, would you define either one as a handcuff? Zach Moss or Devin Singletary? Um, yeah. I would not because I think That's they're a 1A, 1B, 1B. Like, uh, yeah. like, the, yeah. like the Broncos. I got you. So, is that okay. the same thing in uh, That's Tampa like a Bay? Chub. Yes, I would say it's the same thing in Tampa Bay. And the same thing in Cleveland. Even though, just... I, even though, I mean, in Cleveland it's different because both are like top 24 running backs. Yeah. What about Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake? So I, I personally oh, think that that's, that's going to be awful. more of a 1A, 1B situation even when Kenyon Drake comes back because Chase Edmonds has been more efficient in the air and just as, if not more efficient on the ground than Kenyon Drake. That's not the way they play, though, when Kenyon's around. It's not the way they play. That's He's a true. handcuff when Kenyon's around. But I don't think, regardless, neither of them are going to be available on the waiver wire or pretty e- – you might I have a better chance for trading Chase. for Kenyon. I don't think you can trade for Chase at this point what because about... he is expected to do very well while Kenyon Drake is gone because people expect him to be more talented because Kenyon Drake has sucked this season. What about Josh Jacobs? Is it Devontae Booker or Jalen Richard as the backup? That's the problem is is you, you don't really Booker know. Booker is. is it right now, but question mark. Okay. I think Booker is what they have listed and what they say. 
Yeah, Devontae Booker is listed as number two, but Jalen Richard, I thought last year. Jalen Richard is supposed to be, outside. but Booker just kind of exploded out of nowhere. It was kind of weird. So let's let's briefly talk about um, uh, how important the handcuff is compared to other players on your roster, real quick, uh, and then we'll move on. So I'm looking at, at my roster in one of my redrafts, le- one of my redraft leagues. Okay, and so I have um, my my best running backs are going to be Josh Jacobs, Chase Edmonds, Antonio Gibson. Uh, David Johnson, Joe Mixon, and David David Montgomery. So I really only have one player on here, Joe Mixon, who has a handcuff. And so what I could look at doing is going into playoffs, as long as everybody is healthy, there guys like David Johnson and David Montgomery will never see my active roster during playoffs. Uh, and that's because uh, I'm never going to take Josh Jacobs or Joe Mixon out of my starting lineup. And so basically what you can do, what I would suggest is – Yes, David Montgomery, guys like David Montgomery and David Johnson uh, are worth more uh, as starters than a handcuff like, like Giovanni Bernard. But the thing is, is that they're not going to be starters. And so they offer uh, not as much relevance. And so, uh, but here's the deal. If, Giov- if Joe Mixon goes down, Giovanni Bernard, are, are you going to start David Montgomery, David Johnson, or Giovanni Bernard? You're probably going to start Giovanni Bernard over those guys anyway. Uh, just because, you know, he's probably going to pick up right where Joe Mixon left. What about, what about a J.D. McKissick? Um, I would say that that's a 1A, 1B situation, especially if Alex Smith is the quarterback. But that, that's a good J.D. McKissick has actually he been is probably on waivers. He's been performing really well in PPR. Yes, he's, he's yeah. performing because Alex Look Smith is the quarterback. PPR. And for some reason, they, Alex Smith prefers They're J.D. McKissick to, to Antonio Gibson. Out of his mind. And he I think it might be because him. of pass protection. Um, I so have J.D. McKissick, too. So he's a good pickup, um, but I don't think he's necessarily a handcuff. I have all the handcuffs. <laughs> I don't have any of them. <laughs> Daniel tries to get all the handcuffs. I swear no, Daniel I just tries to empty his team just to have all the backups for a second. <laughs> I have Alexander Madison, J.D. McKissick. I have Jalen Samuels. I don't have any of the good ones. <laughs> so I, I think that I it's important before we move on <laughs> to discuss uh, on, how to, on how to acquire a handcuff. And I would say that your best strategy is going to be because – because you're trading down from a, from a guy who could potentially jump into your flex or you're running back to like David Montgomery uh, and David Johnson, uh, what you do is you package that player maybe with another one of your lower tier wide receivers or another one of those lower tier AJ Green. Uh, running backs. Okay. Yeah, sure. You can use AJ Green. You can say, let's trade um, David Johnson and AJ Green. I don't want AJ Green. You see if you can go get a slight upgrade on wide receiver and then take the hit and then go get your, your handcuff. So maybe you trade, um, let's say you trade Devontae Parker and uh, David Montgomery, and you trade for a guy like, I don't know, T. Higgins and uh, Alexander Madison for your, for your backup for Dalvin Cook. I think that, yes, Alexander Madison is not, you know, he doesn't, he's not a very sexy bench player because he's not projected a lot of points. But if Dalvin Cook goes down, you're fine. You're set for playoffs and you're not missing that spot. That's the thing about – if you're the one who has a handcuff, again, you're like you have all the leverage, so you right. can ask for like a second rounder. I mean, if they want them, they have and to dynasty the to get them. and dynasty. Yeah, and dynasty. I'm talking redraft. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you still just, have all the power. It doesn't change anything. You gotta you gotta play gotta around and things. see uh, see if you can maximize value. Uh, trade you know trade for the lower value perceived lower value of the handcuff, and then and in keeper league, they're even more valuable else. than in redraft because you do have them for right ever. right. 
Who has Pollard in our league? Okay, well, let's move on. Let's get into starts and sits. Uh, we've spent a lot of our time on, on playoff prep, but it's just important. It's important that, you know, you start this playoff preparation now. So let's get into starts and sits. Daniel, who are you starting this week? Yeah, I am starting Travis Fulgham. Uh, he's playing the Giants. Who? I know, right? Is the that practice <laughs> This guy is anymore. Are you actually starting him? Attention. This guy wide is receiver living. for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Okay. And over the last four weeks, he is like wide receiver six. He is getting oh, all the targets. He, he has posted no, 435 yards and four touchdowns in five games. He is being Dude. unbelievable right now. Yeah. He's the best target for Carson Cooper. Wentz. He looks in legit. Injury-ridden offense. So he right now is a legit starting option. No, like literally no the last four games he's played phenomenal. I think down the rest of this year, he's going to be a fairly consistent starting option. So yeah. I think he's starting with confidence. Charlie? Starting Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Heck um, yes. Big yeah. Ben. Who are the Steelers playing? <laughs> um, Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's I interesting. Because I just think Cincinnati's games have always been – Typically in the higher end scoring games, yeah, so yeah. I mean the, they're going to score offense. points somehow, and so I think the Steelers and Big Ben kind of found their offense late in the Cowboys game after a pretty embarrassing first three quarters of that game, mm-hmm. and so I think they carry that over to a Cincinnati. And I think the Steelers were just in that mindset of kind of I don't know if they really showed up ready to play. They kind of just thought, oh, it's the Cowboys, we're just going to roll over them, and so I think mm-hmm. they come ready this week and kind of yeah. putting any if there is any doubt to bed this week yeah it's a snatty all right that you always have the weirdest starts and sits but i'm ready to hear this one. Oh, let's go baby all right so i'm starting antonio brown all right because one Brady's back hungry. in the league <laughs> Brady's hungry. He's hungry for did you brown. see that bruce aaron said he literally came out in a press conference either yesterday or today and said that ab started too many snaps last game and he wants to cut that back i don't care i don't care what did he even do last week? Why, uh, yeah, huh? Last what did week? AB, yeah. All right, well, this is like this was like the first time he was on the team, so I mean, you gotta give him a chance. I mean, they're gonna practice more. I, I went to the Buccaneers like uh, Instagram page, and all I had was like was uh, just Tom and AB just practicing together. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I have I don't know. I can see this being. I mean, Brady wanted him all of a sudden, so I'm you're like, starting him because of an Instagram post. Yes. He's projected <laughs> 11. I know that Brady is going to target him a ton, like he did against the Saints. Of course, like the chemistry was off. I mean, obviously, AB hadn't played in a while. He's getting used to their playbook as well. But, I mean, right. Carolina, so I think that the chemistry is going right, to well. so we'll Let's see. hope it's not like your last start. <laughs> All right, John. Time. John, tell us about your start this week. All right, I'm starting Zach Moss. Um, it's kind of sketch. But he led the Bills last week in rushing. Um, Devin Singletary, it's not – this one's not as much for Zach Moss. It's that Devin Singletary saw two carries for a yard last week, and he caught three for three for 33 yards. But um, I'm not trusting – I'm not trusting Devin Singletary. I think Devin Singletary has kind of gotten over the hump. Um, he's scored – Devin Singletary has scored – it's five games in a row now that he scored single digits. Um, and that Zach Moss is just looking better. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Zach Moss is looking better, especially for PPR. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting those goal line touches, which are hugely important because if they stumble into the end zone, that's worth a ton. Um, and Devin yeah. Singletary is not getting those goal line either targets or carries. So yeah. 
I'm yeah. starting Zach Moss this week. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I have two different starts just to kind of mix it up. Number one, uh, I'm going to talk about Curtis Samuel first, a uh, wide receiver uh, for the uh, Carolina Panthers against Tampa Bay. Uh, and the reason I, I'm really choosing him is because Christian McCaffrey has been declared out for, uh, for week 10. And so uh, Curtis Samuel has been better and more efficient as a running back than Mike Davis. So he's probably going to get more carries than Mike Davis, uh, if not very comparable amount of carries. And he's being involved in the passing game. So he's getting a, the best of both worlds. Uh, he's been very efficient and very good for the last two to three weeks. So I think that you can confidently start him at least one more week. Uh, I'd be hesitant when Christian McCaffrey comes back in the future. But as we did see in this last week, he was still very involved. Um, so uh, just be mindful of that. Keep an eye open on that. And then I would say my other start is going to be Jared Goff versus Seattle. Now, I know that this is kind of a stinky pick. Um, Jared Goff has not been the best. Um, he's, you know, he, he just hasn't been as good as he was uh, in their Super Bowl year. But I will say that he is going up against a defense that is on pace to not only be the worst passing defense in history, but be the worst passing defense in history by giving up more than a thousand yards than the current worst defense in passing history. So oh, Seattle has just yeah. been abysmal uh, defending, uh, uh, defending passes. That, and so uh, Jared Goff has two incredible receivers uh, in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So he is going to be able to get the job done. Um, so uh, even with Jamal Adams back last week, Josh Allen was able to just completely torch Seattle. So um, definitely uh, don't be afraid to start Jared Goff. He might throw you a pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has three or four touchdowns and over three to 350 passing yards. So he is, he is definitely going to have the opportunity. And it's even juicier because Russell Wilson is probably going to be able to stay involved and keep the score high for them to continue to need to put on points. So I think you yeah. can confidently start Jared Goff. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, let's move into sits. Uh, Daniel, who you got for us? Yes, sir. So I'm sitting Jonathan Taylor. And he's a guy we talked about as being kind of a question mark right now. In that backfield, there's just a lot of variables. He's had – Honestly, considering what Marlon Mack was able to do last year, he's got a very similar to, you know, talented line, and he hasn't really been able to replicate those same numbers. And I would say that he's actually a better receiver, too, than Marlon Mack. So it's kind of disappointing, honestly, the year that he's had thus far. And the last couple of weeks have just been abysmal. So going up against Tennessee, uh, pretty strong defense there. Uh, the way that their offense has been leaning kind of away from him, they don't seem to trust him as much anymore. I think he's a pretty easy sit here. And I think there's better options. Yeah. It kind of hurts, though, to have to sit Jonathan Taylor, considering where you probably drafted him. But hopefully you've got some other depth options. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, uh, Chuck, this is interesting. You're kind of following up last week. You, you started all of the Steelers wide receivers. Now you want to sit an entire receiving core. Tell us about it. Do it. Yep, I'm sitting all of the Vikings wide receivers. Um, if you're not named Dalvin Cook, um, you're probably not going to do much on Monday Night Football against the Bears. Um, they never win in Chicago. Kirk never performs on Monday night. Um, and so I think that hurts the Vikings wide receiving core. Um, Performance issues, yeah. And the Bears, <laughs> the Bears do have. <laughs> There's pills for that. Yeah, they, yeah they, need a, they need a special little blue pill to get them going, I guess. Uh, and I just don't think the Bears have a really good defense our offensive line, although it's good at the, they're good at run blocking. They're not very good at pass blocking. So I think um, Kirk's going to be on his butt most of the game resulting in no catches for most Ooh. of the receivers. 
What is the what is the end score of that game, Charlie? What do you see it? Uh, 13, 16. <laughs> it's gonna be really ugly. the only yeah. touchdown. <laughs> it may just where's, be like where's double it may be like one for fifteen, eighteen, just a bunch of field goals. Yeah, I could see uh, that. I think it could be like twenty to sixteen or twenty-three to 20. two. Yeah, but I All mean, right. Dalvin Cook is the only one who's gonna score in that game. Thatcher, let's talk about your sit. I'm I'm definitely excited to hear this as always. <laughs> Try and convince us. <laughs> All right. Always a delight. Just remember, I'm I'm seven and two in fantasy, so you. You are seven and two, but that yes. also doesn't necessarily. That's just your You also started Lev Bell last week. You're no. just lucky you placed me. Yes, I have made mistakes. I'm not perfect, but Kareem Hunt is running back, but not as talented as Nick Chubb. So, mm-hmm. did you I say Kareem Hunt's not as talented as Nick Chubb? Debatable. Is not as talented as yeah. That's why Nick. Chubb I disagree. Is the, I for I disagree. I strongly I disagree. Well, then why is he the starting running back? Question mark. Because Kareem Hunt has legal issues. Oh, there you go. He's Doesn't make him a worse Chiefs. football player. He'd still be on the Chiefs if he didn't have legal issues. <laughs> anyway, I think the Browns are going to give uh, Nick Chubb a welcome, Chubster. welcome back present, and give him a ton of yards against Houston. Uh, there's mm. going to be there's going to be junk time, and I think. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna it's gonna be there. So okay, not feeling it this week. Gut feeling. Yeah, gut feeling. Gut this feeling. Week. All right, John, tell <laughs> us about your set of the week. Um, I'm sitting Marvin Jones. Uh, I've been burned by him way too many times. But also, here are these stats about Washington, which they're not oh, a good yes. team this year, but their defense is weirdly good. They're tied for the league lead in fewest touchdowns allowed to receivers, hmm. the fewest receptions to receivers this year the fewest receiving yards. Um, and the past two games with Kenny G hurt, Marvin Jones has three touchdowns, but only six catches for 82 yards and only 11 targets. You know why the they're ranked best Kenny in G. passing? Because they're down by so much teams just run. That doesn't Nonetheless, that works stat. out for fantasy. That <laughs> stat does not change, though. But still. Okay, fine. But that doesn't change this last thing, though. With Kenny G hurt, he only has six catches. That's three a game. What did he do against the Vikings? That's embarrassing. Um, let me hear Randy. Let me flip. He had yeah, he 13. put up, like, Randy Moss, point, Randy Moss totals. He had, like, yeah, one reception was, for a touchdown or something like that. So. Yeah, something weird, but. Yeah. Don't you just love when your your sits are based on stats and not necessarily a gut feeling? Mm. Dude, the gut feeling. Honestly, I wish I went with gut feelings because I'm betting <laughs> on my own team here and yeah. it just hurts me. But I, I, I got, really at like the end of the hit. year, we have to do a compilation of Thatch's gut feelings Please, and yeah. see how bad he's I only have like two gut feelings. <laughs> you have a gut feeling every week. <laughs> every week you go. <laughs> John, I will say I love that sit because, because Kenny G is hurt and Marvin Jones is you would assume the number one, but you're willing the, to sit The anyway, wide receiver so. you want to start off the lines right now is this Marvin Hall Jr. <laughs> no one's ever heard of except for his birth parents. And he shows up out of nowhere and steals yeah. all of Marvin Jones's targets, which is killing my fantasy team. <laughs> you can't even trade him. You have right, to well, No, no one wants oh, him. My sit of the week is going to be DJ Chark, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this Ooh. is also kind of a pump the brakes. And this is just because last week he was able to destroy the Texans. But that's right. Let me repeat that. It's the Texans. It's the Texans. <laughs> a wet paper bag could catch a pass against Y'all may the, win the one more game this year. 
maybe maybe you're biased. The Dolphins are really happy. Here's the deal: the Packers uh, are 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 a pretty decent defense, especially especially Jair Alexander, who is coming up as one of the best Mm -hmm. cover corners in the NFL. And it's not like there. It's not like DJ Chark has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. He's got what's his name? Uh, Luton. Luton. Jake Luton. Luton. <laughs> the point is, rookie quarterback who's only started one game in the NFL Dude, is throwing DJ Sharks the ball. Week, now he also diced up last week He's on one play. It, work. it was one play that really that really did it for Didn't me. He put like up like seventy three yards though. I, I have no clue. I don't remember. I didn't. I will say game. the Packers' biggest flaw is the run game, and so if the Jaguars do have a shot at winning this game. That's going to be through the on the ground rather than through the air. Yeah, so. they're going to have to control time. He had three hundred and four yards last week. Yeah, but that was also really on the basis of that first play where he just had that one like seventy-six yard reception for a touchdown, and that really that's that really helped. That's still two hundred and thirty yards, though. Yeah, that's still two hundred and thirty yards. But the point is, is that Jair Alexander is ten times better than anybody in the Texans secondary. Oh, but wait, is Lacavius and Auld or whatever coming back this week? Lavisca. Lavisca, whatever. I'm not sure. Wow. You have him on your team. You should know. <laughs> so close. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if DJ Chark had a lot of targets, but I just don't know if they're going to be very, very valuable targets. Chenault's questionable. Maybe he gets a a jump ball uh, in the end zone, or maybe he gets a a slant route and he gets a good pass right to the chest would be impossible to drop. But I don't know. Maybe he scores 43 points. You just don't see it coming. Yeah, I don't expect that to happen. I'm not. I'm not as bad as you when it comes to trying to sit one of the best running backs in the sit NFL. Dalvin Cook, but hey, off a four touchdown game. That, no one saw that coming. Let's be real. I saw that coming. Um, Literally, no. everyone and their moms saw that coming. It's no, so who did not? <laughs> we were debating whether he'd score over under twenty. Everyone was smashing start on Dalvin no. Cook, except for you. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. This is coming from Thatch, who smashed start on Bell last week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Thatch, what are you saying yes to? <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. Let's, even know you're agreeing smiles. To. <laughs> let's move on to our highlighted matchups. Chuck, uh, tell us about uh, the you Vikings versus the Bears. Uh, I don't know why someone put in Vikings wide receivers versus the Bears. Yeah, somebody but, messed up the show, Doc. Uh, my highlight is the Vikings versus the Bears. I think the Bears are the biggest frauds mm. um, in America right now. It's just like Dalvin Cook. Um, so, no. Thatcher, go away. <laughs> oh, there's a gut Thatch. feeling, Thatch. You should know about this. Listen to your gut. Enjoy. We'll tell you when we can talk. We'll unmute you. <laughs> uh, so, I think it'll be interesting if the Vikings have any shot at making the playoffs, which I hope they – just decide to not because let's be honest, they're not going anywhere. Even if they do make the playoffs, let's go get our future QB. Well, let's get up in the draft. We're just keep going down. And so um, I'm hoping the bears win, um, which I actually think I do have them win this game. Like I said, I've been a Viking fan my entire life. I think they've won there three times since I've been alive. Um, They just do not win there. Kirk does not perform in prime time. Um, So yeah, this has, it's going to be one of the ugliest games, and the Bears are going to win it. Yeah, I agree. I, the Bears are one of the two upsets that I actually have winning this game. Bears okay. are not favorite to win this game? They're, no, they're not. Upset. No, they're actually uh, – the, the spread is plus two and a half Vikings, for the Bears to lose. Yeah. Are Vikings you are going at to, home? Vikings are favored. Yeah, that's dude, that right. shows what everyone, th- everyone like 10, thinks 000. the Bears are frauds, dude. I'm putting my bank account on the Bears. 
week. John, <laughs> I'll pet you against that. <laughs> I'm about to John, make a lot of money. We're not disclosing right, what the picture tells us about. <laughs> tell us about the Colts against the Titans. <laughs> right, this like is a divisional up. matchup with potential playoff implications. This could be a good matchup. Tell us about it. It can be. I think Daniel's wrong. On Both five and two. Winner oh, takes the division. Daniel. I think I think JT runs all over the Titans defense. I think they're an over really? defense. Yeah, hmm. I do. I got that feeling. I think the Titans are definitely going <laughs> to – I think the Titans are definitely going to uh, beat the Colts for sure. I mean, because, I mean, Ryan Tannehill is I mean, a top sure. quarterback, so – but. Oh, that's for, that's for uh, Tyler Holt right there. debatable, yeah, dude. And, I mean, he's proven me right, so – but. No, he hasn't, but go on. No, that's about it. <laughs> all right. That's all right. it. I respect that. I don't right. think that Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback, short, but you know? I think he's top 15. So, uh, Tyler, I'm sure we get to debate that soon enough. Um, okay. Isn't Tyler the one who also said Justin Herbert is going to be horrible? He, yeah, he did, and I called him out on that this last week. So, Tyler, I hope you're listening to this episode. Charlie just called you a dummy. Justin Daniel, tell us about the Seahawks against the Rams. Oh, Who's yeah. This is not this Justin game. Herbert. I mean, this is going to be, I think, a high-scoring one for sure. Seattle's defense gives up a lot of points. They just had a, a tough game against the Bills. They really need to get a win here kind of get some momentum back. They don't have a very good record, though, playing the Rams, especially under McVay. It looks like the Rams are 4-2 and two against the Seahawks uh, with McVay coaching. And so, um, historically, the Rams tend to match up better. I think they do have a stronger defense. I think, you know, Jared Goff has a good chance to put up a decent number of points here. And I think the better defense could win out. So, I don't know. This, this, this could be a really, really close game. Um, I, I haven't really actually picked who I think is going to win this one. but I've been going back and forth. This is a tough one for me. To I have Seahawks on. winning that. I think I, I actually Seahawks took the Rams winning. winning. I'm not betting against Russ. I I have not bet against Russ all season. But you also last, have last to, game. Dude, the Rams burned. looked rough against the Dolphins two weeks ago. I'm basing it off the that. Dolphins. But here's the difference: the Dolphins are rough. a very good defense. Seattle is not a very good defense. Yeah. Adams is back though. Too. I think Seattle doesn't lose two games in a row. I think they're going to come back and and see that's why I keep coming back to it's like man, is, is Russell Wilson really going to give up two games in a row? He wants to win MVP. He gave up. I don't He's think coming he gave back. Up. I think their defense gave up that game. So you're saying no shot. He did have a well. Russ did have four turnovers. Yeah, he had some yeah. pretty big turnovers in that game. I, I'm really excited because I do have the Rams winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. Yeah, uh, it's I'll, a close spread. The I think it's like two and a half is what things are looking like right now so a lot of people are going back and forth on this yeah one. the spread is actually less than that it's one and a half oh it's one and a half now yeah and the rams are favored oh rams wow. are oh, yeah rams see this is a tough one i think it's because it really it's putting, away. putting half of it on the bears and half of it on the seahawks i'm bet i will i'll i'll bet against that <laughs> 250 my books $2. 50 cents on the bears and $2. <laughs> $2. oh you're matching my bank account all right noted <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's, let's talk about the next matchup. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about Houston at Cleveland. Um, I already said that I think Cleveland will bring it home. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston was able to win, but I think that with Odo Beckham hurt, this team be is actually better. I would be surprised if Houston was able to win. I think, that he, I think that Cleveland is actually better without OBJ. Not that OBJ isn't talented, but Baker is just a better decision maker when he's not trying to force the ball to a squeaky wheel. So, um, I would, I, I, honestly, I think that you can start Jarvis. I think that you can start Austin Hooper. I think that you can start both running backs, and I think that you can start Baker. Um, now, on the flip side, I think you can do the same thing for Houston. I think you can start. Um, I think you can start Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, um, 
And I, you could definitely start Deshaun Watson, and I think you can start the starting running back. Now, here's the thing. David, or David Johnson is in concussion protocol, so if Duke Johnson is the main guy, I would take Duke Johnson, especially for the revenge game narrative um, because he came from Cleveland. Uh, so uh, Duke Johnson would be the guy I would take if he was the starter. Otherwise, I don't, I don't really know if I would be super confident starting a running back um, just because I also think that the Browns are probably going to milk time of possession. So it's probably going to be more wide receiver heavy for the, uh, for the Texans. But I do take – I'm going to take Cleveland winning this game, although I wouldn't be surprised if Houston won. John, wrap us up. Um, tell us about your uh, Bills versus the Cardinals. Um, yeah, so I have Bills versus Cards. Um, I don't think Cards lose back-to-back. I think the Bills are such a roller coaster of emotions. I can't bet on the Bills. I think when they are playing together and playing as a complete team, they are one of the top teams in the league. But that is is weird to watch because um, they've barely beaten the Jets. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Titans. They got destroyed by the Titans. But when mm-hmm. they're looking like a complete team, I mean, you watch them beat the Seahawks. I they was surprised to see that the Cardinals were favored. I was too, honestly. I had the Bills winning this game. I, I actually have, also have the Bills. I have the Bills winning this game. I think I, it'll be a good game, though. I think it'll be a I great don't, game. I don't think the Cardinals will I think lose the Cardinals are always at home. I feel like every time I watch the Cardinals <laughs> Because game, Arizona's right in the middle of the cup. That's not right in the middle, but it's like kind of close. So everyone yeah, but knows. They only have eight home games, but I feel like every time I watch them, they're at home. <laughs> Yeah. What are they ever but, on the road? I don't know. After the year. I feel like the Bills I don't believe are like a, the Bills <laughs> are like a better Bears, dude. I feel like they're kind of sketched like the Bears. I think they have I a good defense, but I think they have a quarterback. Team. I think they're I think they're better Bears. I think, I think they're, they're the Bears team with a respectable quarterback who can get the ball up to his weapons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's let's cap off then. Are there any potential upsets that y'all would that y'all think are are, are real? I almost call the upset of the year. Which I had was? the Jets beating. He the, had the Jets over. The I had the Jets. Did you really? I did. Have did. The Jets wow. That okay, but that makes sense though. Mind. That makes sense though because I heard the narrative of if the if the if if the Patriots let the Jets sweep, then the Patriots are pretty much guaranteed the first overall pick, and they go get their guy at quarterback to fill their Tom Brady role. Um, yeah. But I will say the reason I didn't expect it is because Bill Belichick is Bill regarded Belichick as the best coach of all time, memory, and he's playing dude. to win. I mean, I thought it was going to happen there 20 to 10 at half, but then Charlie the texted were... me and I thought he was out of his mind. And then I went to check <laughs> it and he actually had the Jets over the Patriots. Yeah, I almost did. That would have been crazy. But this week, I don't know. It's, I don't really count these as upsets. Did you they're, see they're Lions so and close. There's like, no I mean, favorite in Lions and Redskins. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's actually even. I'm actually taking the Redskins to win that game with Alex Smith having time to prepare as the starter. I have the Lions, Lions, dude. I had the Lions winning. I had the Lions, and then I was like, okay, Alex Smith is a good quarterback, and the 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 Redskins are a good team. Did you see his pick he threw? That was straight to the defender. He's never. I don't think that Alex Smith throw that with his eyes closed. Alex Smith has never has never practiced as the starter this year, though. And I would say that Alex Smith is still a good quarterback. I don't think that he has half a leg. I think that he's good. He may not be as mobile as he used to be, but he's still as smart as he used to be. He's definitely yeah. smarter than Kyle Allen. Got that Allen. pick, dude. They were driving down, and he threw it straight to the defender. 
I don't know, man. I, I think I think that if you can wasn't get wasn't close. I don't. Think I think that if you can get a decent Alex Smith, I think that there's a chance that they win this game. I think I that I think I that they think have a, a better it, better defense than people think. Terry McLaurin is a stud. Yeah. It doesn't take an idiot to realize that, uh, or it doesn't take a genius to realize that. Uh, See, Chase Young is getting triple teamed already. Good. He's in his. That's respect what is it, his for them. Ninth, his ninth game as a professional. I wouldn't be on the line. I That's unreal for an upset this week. Watch out for the Bengals over the Steelers. I think the Cowboys being that close with the Steelers basically all game, and apparently I didn't watch the game, but apparently there was, was some ugly. big call oh, that changed the game. Oh. Oh. I think. Well, so it was a rough. It was a. It was a rough in the passer, but like. It was one Not of those. Really. It's just like it was a flailing the arm, and like yeah. his arm got stuck, and he did hit him. Like it, yep. it what it did hit Ben's face mask, and it was a rough in the passer, but like it I think was it was debatable. like a third and fifteen or something like that. Like it was a rough. Yeah. It was a rough call. I, I have been skeptical on the Steelers all year. Their offense to me is just not that good. I still think the Chiefs are a better team than the Steelers, um, and especially after this week, I need to see something more. I need to see some more firepower from this team yeah um, i want to see so, a new offensive coordinator if I'm yes yeah. um, I, I think their defense is fine but um i wouldn't be surprised i mean i could see it coming at the bengals joe burrow beating down I, on old big ben i don't know about that though i think like, the cincinnati's offense is actually really good i think what you said earlier of the steelers bouncing back and putting yeah, I also counters. wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers decided to come like a out. forty to ten. Yeah, I don't. I just don't yeah. see the Steelers' offense. I think they went into hitting the on all cylinders, like everyone said. I think half the Steelers' offense is just throwing the ball up in the air and hopefully the receiver makes the play. So yeah, I need well, to see. Some I mean, more if you have Chase Claypool, you can do that. Though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. their receivers kind of. I'd like to see other efficient plays in that offense instead True. of relying on that. Yeah, I would too. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up on uh, this week of the Bench Warmers and Waterboys podcast. Don't forget that there is a Thursday morning episode as well. If you missed that, um, go back and listen to that. Um, and that one's a little that one that one has the draft at the end, so you get a little bit of fun uh, and a break from football a little bit. So so don't forget to go listen to that draft uh, and that episode. But thanks again for joining us this week on the Bench Warmers and Waterboys podcast. Make sure to check out our social media at Be Waterboys on Twitter, where you can stay up to date. And never miss a show while you're at it. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Or, you know, we'd love for you to just tell a friend on the show. Um, but most importantly, would love for you to get involved on Twitter, vote on our polls for the drafts, get involved, ask us some oh. questions. We would yep. love to have a mailback episode where you all ask us fantasy questions or just random share questions. Share our podcast. Give us yeah. accurate polls. Yes, give us, jump on the polls. John, tell them. Polls, dude. Polls. Polls, polls, polls. polls. Get get on the Twitter polls. polls. Let's, let's give us your there. gut feeling on the polls. Yes, give us <laughs> gut your gut feelings. Exactly. Capital give G. us the gut. All right, but thanks again. That's going to be it for this week of the Bench Warmers and Botter... What? Goodness. Bench Warmers <laughs> and Botter Boys podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.